Brewers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Tuesday, July 7th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez, brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Spread your wings. Give them a follow on Twitter, at Yingling Beer. You're saying to yourself, why is he doing an episode on Tuesday? Well, that's because the NHL took a giant step to returning as Phase 3, it looks like, will begin pending ratification of the new CBA and return-to-play protocol. Uh, The NHL Phase 3 would begin coming up on Monday July 13th. We now have a date for the start of training camp pending that ratification, which should be all but a formality at this point, especially with how close the NHL and the NHL Players Association and the NHL Players Association and how they have worked hand in hand to get this done. Uh, the uh, protocols governing training camps and games is tentatively agreed to, and that should pave the way for the 2014 Stanley Cup tournament. Uh, with Edmonton and Toronto being those hub cities, to start on August 1st. Now, all they need for the players to ratify the deal is a majority, so 51%. Uh, The owners, however, uh, they need two-thirds of uh, agreement. But as I said, this is uh, probably a mere formality. Uh, The extension of the CBA is a big part of that. I've talked about it several times here on Flyers Daily that to come out of this, that the owners and the players needed to know the financial landscape that they were uh, agreeing to on any kind of extension, and now was a great time to do it. They worked so well together through this entire process, which has not always been the case in the NHL. So major stick taps uh, to everybody on the return to play committee, including James Van Riemsdyk, Donald Fear, the head of the NHL Players Association, Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner of the NHL, and Gary Bettman, all handled this situation with a lot of class, a lot of transparency, and hockey fans are going to be the better for it. The tentative dates uh, for the NHL's restart, as I mentioned, training camp would start coming up this Monday, July 13th, uh, and then they will go through the 26th, and on that date they will travel to their hub cities. Now, if the hub cities are, in fact, Edmonton and Toronto, the Flyers would travel to Toronto and be inside the hub city there uh, on July 26th. And the qualifying round, so the best of five qualifying round, would begin on August 1st. And you would tend to think that the Flyers, who will be a top four team and involved in that round-robin tournament, and they'll play the likes of the Boston Bruins, Tampa Bay Lightning, and Washington Capitals in the uh, round-robin tournament for seeding, will also begin either on August 1st or about thereof. Maybe they start that even a day later. Uh, and then uh, see how the seeding breaks out for the top four teams and which teams move into the ultimate field of 16 to fight it out for Lord Stanley's Cup. Now, coming up this week, uh, we've been talking, we're going to be talking to a lot of the Flyers coaching staff. Uh, Mike Yo is going to join us on this episode coming up on Wednesday. We're going to talk with Michelle Terrian. We're going to have some Flyers players join us here. The award winners as the Flyers team awards are coming out, uh, which is great to see as well. And the latest award winner, by the way, is Kevin Hayes. He's the recipient of the Gene Hart Memorial Award, and that's the Flyers fan club. They name Hayes as the Flyers with the most heart this season. Uh, And Kevin Hayes, he's ingratiated himself here to the city of Philadelphia uh, as smooth and trend as smooth as any athlete I can ever recall. Uh, For when he signed that contract, not everybody loved it. Uh, But the way Kevin Hayes has conducted himself, not only on the ice, which obviously matters, and helping his team win, improving the penalty kill, and providing a lot of personality, but also the way he's handled himself off the ice. He has ingratiated himself to the fans of this city. He's done it with humility and class and a lot of fun, and that's good to see. In today's uh, day and age of athletes, 
You want to see these athletes have fun. You want to see that side of their personality. He's joined us now, I think, three times on uh, Flyers Daily since the pause, and always great to have him on. So congratulations to Kevin Hayes, the recipient of the Gene Hart Memorial Award. Uh, last Thursday, uh, the Flyers released that Travis Konechny was the Toyota Cup winner, the Flyer with the most points from being selected as a star of the game. Uh, coming up on uh, later today, the Yannick Dupre Class Guy Award. Uh, then Wednesday, the Pelly Lindbergh Memorial Trophy, which will be the most improved player as voted by the, uh, the teammates. Uh, then on Thursday, the Barry Ashby Trophy, which is the most outstanding defenseman as voted on by a panel of sports writers and broadcasters, myself included. And Friday, uh, the final trophy will be the Bobby Clark Trophy for the most team's most valuable player, and that's voted on by a panel of sports writers and broadcasters as well. So we have those to look forward to, and uh, all the winners will be joining us here on Flyers Daily, so we look forward to that. But without further ado, before we get to my conversation with Mike Yo, let me tell you that Flyers Daily is brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Hey, Philly fans, grab a cold Yingling and elevate your taste, because this isn't just a beer, it's a lager. It's time to spread your wings, Yingling Traditional Lager. Here's my conversation with Flyers assistant coach Mike Yo. Joining us right now on Flyers Daily, we talked to him early in the pause. We talked to him now again as part of Coach's Week. It's Flyers assistant coach Mike Yo joining us. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great, Jason. How are you doing? Well, we're doing good, man. I power washed my grill, so I'm ready to get the, the games back going. Uh, I know you're en route back to Philadelphia, and uh, uh, the uh, training camp looks like it's going to begin uh, next Monday. Uh, first of all, uh, how's it been the, the last part of this pause for you, kind of itching to get back, but uh, all waiting while it's safe and, and while the union and uh, the league agreed to uh, the terms of uh, the return to play. Yeah, well, that, that part's really exciting. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, in the same boat as, as a lot of people, you know, found found it to be a little bit challenging, just the boredom part of it sometimes. And, uh, you know, it, it's a, obviously a, a big change in lifestyle, but Try to look at the positives, and one of the one of the biggest positives, unfortunately, my daughter she she lives out of town, but uh, you know my 21 year old son, uh, the amount of time that I was able to spend with him, uh, you know I don't I don't know that I'll ever get that the rest of my life. So um, that was that part of it was really special. I really enjoyed that. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of time off. I got to do a little bit of fishing, so got to do some things, but um, just really really excited to get back to work for a whole bunch of reasons right now. Yeah, you're right. You, you get to clear your mind in a way that normally, in any normal circumstance, you would never get. Just getting out to fish that time of year, and when you guys are ramping towards the playoffs, Mike, you coached in 2012-13 uh, season, that 48 game season. Um, it's a lot different than this, but is there some things you can draw on coming out of that that lockout situation and coming back? I mean, you had a good year that year. You guys went 26-19 and three. You were second in your division in Minnesota. Can you draw on that at all? Will you? Will the coaching staff do that? We can, I, 100%. We can draw on that. It's, uh, it's something that I, I think is going to come in, you know, be very valuable to us as a coaching staff. Our experience. We had three guys that were head coaches. I believe Mike was Terry was still uh, a head coach at that time. Uh, but uh, dealing with the, uh, you know, just the intensity, the, the way that you have to ramp it up and build towards, uh, you know, the players have been off for a long time. And you don't have the same kind of buildup that you would from a normal training camp. Um, and, and that's what we're going to face with here is, uh, you know, just as far as the, the mindset that the players have had in their training, obviously it's not, it's not uh, uh, the intensity level and uh, the amount that we would need to normally. So we're going to have to use that experience as far as how we ramp things up. 
uh, making sure that we do whatever we can to prevent the injuries, but at the same time, um, cranking them up to a level that, that when the puck drops for game one, that we're ready to go. Well, you guys as a combined coaching staff that year, by the way, you were all head coaches, you, Michelle Terrian, and uh, Elaine Vigneault. Uh, Elaine in that, that year with the 48 games was 26 and 15. Uh, Mike in that year uh, was on a hit record of uh, 29 and 14. You guys all had did really well in that year. So if that pretends to this, then I'll be it. That's great. Uh, Mike, let me ask you about uh, what, the, what the players and the league, and I, I, I've given them stick taps many times on this podcast and on the radio, at the transparency with which they conducted the business part of this and the desire to come back, all while keeping the fans in the loop. And um, they did it in a really respectful way, and they worked together, which, as you know, hasn't always been the history between the PA and the league. Yeah, I, I – can't believe the amount of work that had to go into this behind the scenes. Um, and, uh, and there's no way that this would have happened without that kind of cooperation from both sides. And obviously, you know, there, there was more than just the coronavirus here um, that, that we had to deal with, with the, you know, some collective bargaining issues that, um, that were sort of falling in line or, you know, coming into play at the same time here. So uh, the, the cooperation has been outstanding. And like you said, the, the, uh, the transparency and the way that they've kept everybody sort of involved uh, and notified as far as what's going on. It's interesting that, uh, you know, for the casual fan out there, I can, I can assure them that I was not getting more or different information than what they were. Uh, a lot of the times uh, uh, the league was so transparent with the fans that that was just sort of our news source as coaches. Or, um, and so uh, I, I think that that's really uh been valuable not only to, to get us to this point where we have the opportunity to come back and play but also keeping fans and people engaged uh, obviously you know keeping the game relevant keeping it in their thoughts and, uh, and keeping, keeping people hopeful that, that we will get to play here yeah it's really interesting because it was very respectful of the fans in a time when baseball was going through what they were and the NBA to a lesser extent but um, the way they handled it um, it was the gold standard for how to handle things in a, in a pandemic and to share the pain with the players you alluded to uh, some of the issues in the CBA uh, like uh, escrow, which was a big one for the players. They seem to have solved that and they get an extension four year extension. So six year deal uh, of labor peace right now. How important is that labor peace, Mike uh, coming out of this pandemic, uh, a new team coming into the league the year after next and a, a new TV deal on the horizon as well to have labor certainty is a big thing for this league right now, isn't it? Well, to have certainty in uncertain times, I would say, is is, yeah. <laughs> is crucial. And, uh, you know, this, this I remember two, three years ago hearing about um, this collective bargaining agreement and how it was going to be a challenging one. So there there was tension and, and nervous feelings about that back then before any of this struck. Um, you know, so maybe if there's any any positivity out of this, it's, it's really helped the two sides come together and, um, and, and work together to, 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 to get that done because, uh, yeah, I, I, like you said, it, it, this is a very uncertain time. And so to have that, to, the, to, to make sure that the league and the, and the PA and the players uh, are in a good position so we can work together through this, I think that's really important. Yeah, it's a great point that you bring up because if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times throughout this whole thing. The list of certainties pales in comparison to the list of uncertainties. Um, as a coach um, and players, you've got to control the controllable. 
Um, and what you can control is your preparation for games, preparation to get back underway. Um, how do you kind of uh, toe that line of ramping up um, not only intensity, but also ramping up confidence? Because I think that's going to play a big part in this. For the teams that come out and capture confidence and comfort early, they're the ones that are going to have success out of the gate because you don't have much time to, to not have success. Yeah, and I do think that there will be some carryover. Um, you know, obviously we finished at a very confident point, uh, but you also want to make sure that you don't that, that 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 doesn't bring in an arrogance where you just assume that that you're going to be able to step in and and you'll be at that level again. Um, you know, the danger of that is you don't do things necessarily the right way through your training camp. Uh, you know, as like you said, the preparation, the the work that you put in on and off the ice. Um, the video meetings, getting your head straight, all these types of things. You know, if, if you don't do the right things, no matter how confident you are, after that first two, uh, first game, first two games, you'll lose it in a hurry. So um, I think that our mindset, uh, you know, again, with our coaching staff, with our players, we'll, it, we, have to, we have to put the work in from, from uh, day one. We have to make sure that we have the understanding that we're going to work harder we're going to be more prepared than the other teams. And with that comes confidence. And then obviously with that comes, you know, the, the sense that you're ready. And then, um, then it's all about just maintaining it as you're, as you're going through the course of the, the playoffs. The buy-in that you guys got, Mike, uh, from the team, uh, from Jump Street and the accountability level that you guys set with all players um, has been noted as one of the hallmarks of this team and the growth that they've uh, sustained this year. Um, relying on that system and making sure you're doing those little things because hockey's a game of the little things to have success. That's going to be paramount, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, it is. You know, and, and I really do believe that that's uh, that's going to be a huge key. Is you know, just as far as the getting your team on the same page right off the hop here. Uh, again, it's not it's not like the start of the season where you've got 15, 20 games to start to find your game. You've got to have it in place right off the hop. Uh, every drill that you do has to have a purpose. You know, every meeting uh, has to be well thought out, well prepared. Uh, and, and, and again, I really do think that our experience uh, preparing for playoffs, uh, you know, and, and not just one way of doing it, but I think that we'll be able to get together as a staff and we'll be able to put a really good plan in place uh, so that, that uh, we give the best player, the, the players the best chance to be prepared. The one thing I'm trying to figure out, and you're going to be able to answer this question a lot easier when it's all said and done, but I'm going to ask it anyway. This is a tough one for you. What players have the advantage? Is it young players that maybe never have been in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs going into a situation with no fans in this unique circumstance? Is it veteran players? Is it young legs? Where does the advantage lie here, or is this just an individual thing and the players that are able to uh, get, get themselves together mentally and physically as quickly as possible will have an advantage. Can you pinpoint to one thing? I could, I could make guesses, but I think that <laughs> for all of us, that's all it is right now. You know, yeah. we, we obviously, we don't have ex experience with this as far as uh, playing without fans, but you know, I, I guess the one thing that I would say is, is all the players at a certain point, you know, played junior hockey games, you've played, uh, American Hockey League games. You've played in venues uh, that are empty, and you know that that game might be the difference in you getting the call up or getting drafted. Or and so you're able to find the importance of that moment where 
you're able to find the intensity that you need. And, and I think that that's something that, that a lot of the players will be able to draw on it. You know, we've got a group, first of all, they're very motivated. And part of that motivation comes from the, the belief that we know that we're a, a team that has a legitimate chance of winning the Stanley Cup. And, uh, and so keeping that in your mind all the time, uh, you know, you're not going to have the, the fans, obviously, to, to feed off the energy of, of our crowd and, and what they do for us. Uh, but that carrot dangling in front of you, that, that Stanley Cup that we all want so bad, I, I think that that's something that we're just going to have to keep keep playing off of and keep reminding and, and make sure the, keeper, the, the players uh, keep focused on that because the playoffs is always a grind. It's always a, a war of attrition, and, and, and that energy of the crowd sometimes picks you up when you're sore, sometimes picks you up when you're tired. Uh, we're not going to have that right now, so we're going to have to manufacture it other ways. Uh, Mike, uh, we all watched a lot of old games throughout this pause because we had no, nothing live to watch, not only from hockey but any sports. But, you know, NHL Network showing games and locally on NBC Sports Philadelphia, we're watching old games, and I'm watching – uh, games of, of you and his assistant coach with the Pittsburgh Penguins when you won the cup back in 2009. Uh, you know the war of attrition that goes into the playoffs and, and what it takes to win. You were a head coach for four teams that went to the playoffs. How different is the playoff game compared to a regular season? It's Well, it, it's very different. You know, one of the things that, that I learned the most, uh, we went to the finals that year, we went to uh, – and we won – or uh, the year before, and then we won that year. Um, but – you know, those two playoff runs, one of the things that I remember picking up off the most is it's, it's almost a separate season. And I find that the teams are the most successful and the, the teams that obviously end up winning it eventually are the teams that are able to improve through the course of the playoffs. And I remember thinking about that team in Pittsburgh and, and playing that game seven um, game against Detroit when we won. And I remember th- thinking in the course of the game, I'm thinking like, man, if, if this team that we are right now played the team that we were in game one of the playoffs, we, it, we would have beat them about 8-9-1 because mm-hmm. our group had just improved so much through that time. Not necessarily gotten faster, gotten more skilled, um, but the, the, consistently, the consistency that they were able to find and the ability that, to remove mistakes out of their game, that was something that really got my attention. And I think that's going to be absolutely huge uh this year in this in in this playoff uh because obviously there's going to be rust you're not you're not stepping in like a normal playoff where you've played 82 games and you're on top of your game um you're going to have a healthy group but there's going to be rust and so the quicker that you can build your game the quicker that you can build confidence in your game the quicker that everybody can get on the same page and, and, and form your identity i think the more successful you're going to be one of the huge keys to success in the Stanley Cup playoffs, obviously, is goaltending. Uh, you got that great save in 2009 by Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, that double, double butterfly uh, push there <laughs> to, to seal it at the buzzer, if you will. You saw what Holpe did in 2017 with that incredible paddle save and how a save like that can change a series. You think you got one, you don't. And the goaltending you're going to get from Carter Hart and Brian Elliott is going to be paramount. Are the goaltenders... Uh, as a position of reaction, going to be behind the shooters, or will they be ahead of the shooters w- with this unique circumstance? Uh, yeah, again, I wish that I, could, <laughs> I wish that I could go back to my experiences, but I look at uh, you know when I when I when I guess what I would compare it to is the way that goaltenders come into camp. Um, I find that they're very much on top of their game. 
maybe more so than players of other positions. Uh, and, and whether that's the way that they train, whether that's, um, you know, a goaltender's ability, uh, you know, when you're training to, uh, you know, you take a certain amount of shots from a certain situation. And, and, and so basically everything's broken down to a game-like situation for them. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that that um, really could be helpful, especially with our guys, both Moose and Carter. They're extremely hardworking guys. I know that they're doing everything they can, but doing everything they can. And, and uh, I feel very confident that they'll be ready. So when you guys script practices, you're scripting game-like situations for them as much as possible, not only for them, but for the players as well, to, to make it feel like a game as best you can. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I look back at uh, – because I was, I was a very young coach uh, when uh, – it was only my second year as a head coach uh, when, uh, when that uh, lockout season. season. Um, some of the things I did, I tried to – you know, reach out to as many people, uh, you know, the NBA coaches who had gone through it. I also uh, uh, talked to Jacques Lemaire, who uh, I had a lot of respect for as a coach. And, and one of the things that, that was uh, a common thread with everybody was you have to, you have to simulate games. You have to play five on five. You have to get players. Um, obviously the training part of it for, for one thing, but the timing part of it, getting into game situations, getting that feel. Um, I'm very confident that we will be doing a lot of that stuff. That, that's a great call, calling on a cup winner like Jacques Lemaire, of course, who won with New Jersey. Um, Mike, um, you guys are going to have an extended roster to deal with. You're going to have uh, some young players. Uh, I, I don't know if you call them the Black Aces this year with the extended roster, but those guys all got to be ready to go as well because you never know. Uh, with coming back, there could be soft tissue injuries. There's always injuries in the playoffs to begin with. Um, and then the, the, the positive test angle as well, uh, you're going to have to have 30 guys ready to play hockey at a high level. Well, you know, like, like uh, a lot of times in the playoffs, you get, again, you've played so much hockey that sometimes your practice, uh, your amount of practice time slips off. Now, it'll be interesting if that changes. Obviously, that's something we'll monitor you know, by observation. Uh, by talking with our strength coaches, by talking with the players. But if you do have the ability to practice, and maybe some days two or three or four guys can't practice, well, you can still have a very effective practice because now new guys can step in. But we'll we'll have to keep those guys sharp, like you said. They they um, in a normal uh, playoff run, if you're going to win the cup, you always have guys that that end up finding their way into their lineup, finding a way to make a difference to to be valuable in your group. And, and this is going to be, uh, you know, times 10 of that. So uh, definitely those players are, are going to be, uh, have to stay both mentally and physically sharp. And we have to make sure the coaching staff that we have. Right. Mike, I know one of the things, and this is the last question for you, in the return to play that you as a coach and the coaching staff, I'm sure liked, was that the games leading into the actual playoffs in the field of 16 are going to mean something for you guys. And you're in a great situation because as the four seed, you can only move up. You're going to face Boston, you're going to face Tampa, and you're going to face Washington, who, by the way, you had a 5-3-1 and one record against this regular season. Um, to have those games mean something is going to be a big element for you guys, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, there, there's no question you can't compare an exhibition game when a player is just trying to get himself ready um, to 
playing a game when something's at stake, you know, when something is really at stake as far as the team winning or losing, um, you know, that, that's when uh, the, the sense and, and playoffs, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's every inch, it's every play, um, you know, it's every little detail could end up being the difference in you winning that game and ultimately winning the series, winning the Stanley Cup. So you've got to try to simulate that as much as you can. Those games will give us that opportunity. Um, obviously hoping to get off to a great start, hoping that we can improve our situation, but also hoping that, um, that we put ourselves in a position where you have to play with nerves, you have to make decisions when, when, when you're under duress. Um, and, uh, and obviously when you do those things, that's when you really sharpen your game. So we have to, we have to make sure that we really make those players, our players understand that those games are more important than just trying to reseed there. Those games are tune-ups and, and we, that means the more serious we take them, uh, the more useful they'll be to us. Yeah, and the benefit will be I lied. I have one more question because you and I have talked several times throughout the season, and I asked you uh, early on of all the players that you got to you get to see now and coach up close, and one guy you mentioned was Sean Couturier. And in the games against Washington, Tampa, and Boston this year, Pasternak's got a golden assist against you guys. You went 2-0-1 against them. Uh, you went 0-2 against Tampa, but Kucherov only ended up with an assist. And then in four games against uh, the Washington Capitals, Alexander Ovechkin didn't have a single point. Um, Sean Couturier is a huge part of that equation, uh, and he'll be a big part of your equation going forward in these playoffs. Um, just how good of a player is he, and should he win that Selkie this year? Well, for me, he's he's the guy. Uh, you know, obviously, maybe I'm a little bit biased, and part of it is, is – uh, he's one of those guys when you have a chance to work with players on a day-to-day basis and obviously a player like, you know, when you're coaching in the NHL, you know, Sean Couturier is a really good player. And then you find out uh, that he's that much better, even than you realized before uh, that shows you just how good it is, how, how much we appreciate him as a coaching staff. So uh, for me, he's the guy. Uh, I think he deserves it. I really hope he gets it. And, uh, and that's where, you know, getting into a playoffs for whether it's a guy like him, whether it's, uh, you know, guys like TK, guys like Provi, guys that want to, you know, Sandy. We have a number of guys, I think, that are sort of at the position, the opportunity to put themselves on a, a you know, on a, on a different place on the map of the NHL and the eyes of, of the NHL and, and its fans. Um, that's where you, that's where you do it. That's the big stage. When you yeah. do it in the playoffs, and uh, and he's going to have that opportunity. Obviously, home ice would be great so that we could have him on the ice against all those guys you mentioned when it comes down to it. Yeah, you may not be in your home building, but that last change is a factor when you only give up one goal to Pasternak and uh, no goals to Ovechkin this year, who each had 48 to tie for the Richard. Uh, it's pretty special work that he did, and he's a net positive at the offensive end as well. Hey, Mike, I appreciate you doing this, man. I could talk to you all day, but I'm going to let you enjoy your drive-in and uh, get back to work, and uh, we're looking forward to great things, and uh, we're, we're so glad that everybody's going to come in for Phase 3 coming up next Monday. Thanks for doing this, and, and stay healthy, and best of luck. Yeah, it sounds great. I can't wait to get back. Looking forward to it. Special thanks to Flyers assistant coach Mike Yo for joining us here on Flyers Daily. He's a guy that's great to talk to. So much experience, both as an assistant coach and going to two Stanley Cup finals with the Penguins in 2008 and 2009, winning it in 2009 over the team that beat him in 2008, the Detroit Red Wings. 
And then obviously coaching uh, five years in Minnesota, uh, a bunch of years in St. Louis as well. Now uh, an assistant coach to Elaine Vigneault, along with Ma- uh, Michelle Tarian, Ian LaPerrier, and Kim Dillaball, all set to join us here as Coaches Week continues. So thanks to Mike Yo for joining us. And again, uh, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a rating and review. Also do us a favor and give uh, the Flyers Broadcast Network Twitter feed a follow as well. You get all the up-to-date news and happenings with the Flyers Broadcast Network as the team is set to report to camp. So will the content on the Flyers Broadcast Network boost up a little bit further as well. We're in a Monday through Friday format right now, so check your inbox every morning. Check your RSS feed or your iTunes feed, and uh, you'll find a new episode of Flyers Daily each and every Monday through Friday. It's brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Spread your wings. Give them a follow on Twitter as well, at Yingling Beer. That's going to do it for this episode of Flyers Daily. Another one coming tomorrow, Wednesday, with Michelle Tarian, Flyers assistant coach, going to join us. In the meantime, everybody stay healthy, and thanks for listening. Hi, something, something.